0: We're giving it to them all Wednesday. Busy week. Brooke, congratulations on your win. It was fantastic. I'm sure Dakota didn't catch it, but Uncle Lukey did. Uh, Good stoppage win. Introduce yourself to these fine folks that choose to be with us on a rainy California day.
1: Of course. I am Mighty Brooke Sibrian. I train out of Lee Espinoza Coachella Valley Boxing Gym, and I am currently 2-0 with 1-K-O.
0: Okay. Okay. Talk to me about how you got into the sport of boxing, because I saw a number that stood out to me, 3.5 years experience. It's not a lot, especially turning into a pro fighter. So talk me through that journey of just getting to the gym and where you're at now.
1: Of course. Um, I started in fitness boxing classes, um, out in New York. I was living there at the time. Um, I, I worked full time for the wall street journal. So that's kind of like my second life. Uh, and, um, I started there, I loved it so much. Um, Those classes are predominantly women, uh, female-based. So fun, obviously great workout. And so that was my introduction to boxing of any type. Uh, Growing up, I was in love with soccer. Um, So um, the fitness boxing classes were great. And then when I moved back home, which is California, LA, um, I ended up saying, you know what? I wanna learn a little bit more technique, obviously learn how to spar. So I joined a gym um, in San Fernando called Eight One Eight Boxing, and that's where there were active fighters, pro and amateur. Um, and so once I started there, I met my now fiance um, Mega, um, and that's where my training, as uh, you know, my 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 competitive training started. Um, I sparred for the first time there, and then about a year later, we we moved to Coachella Valley. Um, we became residents of Palm Desert. November of 2020, um, where I started training out of the Lee Espinoza Coachella Valley boxing gym. And I was coaching, I was being coached by Marcos Caballero at the time. Um, and then in May of 2021, so about six, six, seven months or eight months later, I debuted as an amateur in Nicaragua. Um, so from May 2021, uh, to about July, 2023, so two years, we had 25 fights. Stayed really active. Um, became a two-time national champion in the U.S. at 114 pounds. And um, I actually took part of the Central American and Caribbean Games um, in hopes to qualify for the for the Olympics um, for El Salvador. I got my dual citizenship and and became um, you know Salvadorian um, uh, uh, citizen. So. And then after that, we 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 had um, we didn't get the decision in that first fight, so we ended up to say, "Hey, let's go pro and 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 you know, go for that route."
0: Okay, you're very professional. That's my first observation because it's like you're coming into this sport, and it's like, okay, I'm coming from the Wall Street Journal. I'm treating boxing with like this hard work ethic. I have a plan. Like normally, boxers, are like, yeah, I just kind of did it, winged it. Like what I'm hearing is a lot of structure, like <laughs> putting a lot of structure to boxing. And it sounds like that's the formula for success for you is that you build plans and find achievable dreams and goals.
1: Wow. Thank you. I, I never, you know, I didn't think about it, or I've, you know, never did. Had, nobody has said that before, but yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess it started off like that, like winging it. Right. Cause I'm just like, I, I kind of like this. so I'm just going to go for it. But I think, to your point, right, once I knew that I liked it, and I've always been a very competitive person. I, I competed competitively in soccer for about 18, 15 years. Um, and so when I loved it, I'm like, I might as well be training to compete. And that's where the idea for the amateurs happened. Um, and once I got the bug, I was like, I mean, there's no going back. Let's just see how much further we can take this. But What do you
2: do with the Wall Street Journal?
1: So I actually um, help... Uh, Create and manage uh, custom ads on our site. So, those ads that pop up on the Wall Street Journal, um, I'm part of the team that creates them for clients. So, we work with Amazon, uh, you know, BMW, all, all types of clients. Um, but I'm in the advertising space at the WSJ.
0: Yeah, I, I get weird ads. They, they don't match my lifestyle that I'd like to think. But, um, anyways, um, Yeah, I think you're you got an interesting story just off of the rip because it's like you're this white collar successful person in basically a sport that's known for poverty. And you're pretty friggin dominant with not that much experience. I mean, I'm looking over Mega. He sent me show notes. You got something like 22 and three as an amateur. I'm probably off one or two or maybe I'm right. I'm going off the top of my head. But that's like the record of someone that. Is I won't want to say natural because there's nothing natural in life and boxing's like golf, like neither are natural. Like people, oh, he's a natural golfer. No, he worked really hard for you to say it's natural, but there's something about you that you want to win. Like that's the mentality I see with you. You work at the Wall Street Journal. That's not an easy job to get. You have to be a winner to get there. You you turn into an amateur boxer. You don't just want to be an amateur boxer, you want to be a winning amateur boxer. Can you speak to that part of your story because i think that's kind of interesting is there's an undertone of like you're a little bit of an alpha you want to you want to win
1: wow um yeah i think that's always kind of been my nature i think in anything that i i always say this i i say what i'm gonna do and i do what i say right and um um i mean if i have to kind of dig a little deeper right i can i mean i think it started as I was young, um, my mom was a, a, a teenage mom. I honestly, a lot of the times, Meg and I, we kind of joke around, uh, joke about this often, but this idea that I'm not even supposed to be here, right? And that's too, like, I was, my mom is teenage mom, and I think, I mean, I wasn't really supposed to even be, uh, like, Alive, really, right? And then I just think she was a fighter in her own right, in her own, in her, in her own world. And I think I just took—I never took it for granted. And be giving that that chance, right? Um, I met uh, this wonderful man who is my dad. He adopted me when I was twelve, and always treated me as his own when I was an, even five years old. So to me, it was—it's always been like I've been giving a second chance to succeed. Um, in so many areas, but mainly within my own family unit that I I think I've always used that as motivation and fuel to just do my best in whatever I can. And and yeah. And I think, as you mentioned, it might be, of course, translating in most of the areas
0: of my life. You're in this Dakota, bro. It's a movie. <laughs> You're in this, bro.
2: Got yourself an Ian Green movie right there. We got <laughs>
0: ourselves a, 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 like a something, you know, get the script out, you know, and I love this in the middle of the workday, all 15 of our usual viewers are probably in their office jobs. So they're going to hit the, 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 the rewatch on this one because they're in for a treat. Um, Chocolatito, you know, big name fighters, people always rub their hands together and want to hear about the people that meant a lot to them. It's one of my favorites because first off he's a gentleman. Um, he conducts himself with so much dignity and class outside of the ring that, it only, it only makes sense that he's as great of a fighter as he is by how he conducts himself as a man. Just share anything about being around and whether it's sparring, whether it's just him walking in and being a person. People just want to know stuff about this amazing individual.
1: Awesome. I have quite a bit for you. Um, let me bring it back to how I even crossed paths with him. So, As I mentioned, Meg and I moved to Coachella from L.A., the reason why was because Marcos Caballero, which is Chocolatito's trainer, um, he had reached out to Mega saying, hey, we, he's in camp. if you want to come and spar? And we're like, and he was like, of course, man, like that's my idol. So we ended up going to Coachella every weekend for two months and spending the weekend to for him to spar him and for us to partake within the training camp it was a lot of, um, I'm going to use the word investment, right? Um, But it was, it was, it was amazing. So that's our introduction to Choco. Um, After those two months, I mean, we were, we were like convinced, I mean, we need to move out here because this is where the boxing and the knowledge was. So that's why we ended up moving. And that was our introduction to Choco. Since from that point on, he did, I think two or three more training camps. And by that time, we were already living here. So we were taking part of all of it. And we just you know how it is, we spend every single day multiple times a day and in the trenches of, of training that we just got really close. Um, but for me, I that was he was, I didn't even know who he was when I met him. Because remember, I have no knowledge of boxing up to this point. And I get there and he's there. Now, not only do I learn about him, but I'm literally rubbing shoulders and learning side by side and training with him and learning from him. So for me, not I fell in love with his style and everything, but also I was able to, he was attainable for me, right? He was next to me. So I think that also helps a lot to my progress and also my love for it. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of the intro to that. And that's why he's my favorite fighter and naturally we have similar body types right like the size and everything so um it's kind of natural for me to i think you know display a little bit of uh, like some type of influence from his style um but i just study him so much um even now but um he's yeah it's that's kind of where that that's from but as a person I mean he's yes, he's very conservative and, and quiet, but once you get to know him a little bit more, he is such a jokester, um, so humble, so family oriented and has the biggest heart um, honestly. and we've been fortunate enough to go to uh, Nicaragua and, and 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 really vacation and, and get to know him on a more personal level um, out there. So um, at this point we would definitely say we are family. Um, so, uh, really, really wonderful
0: guy. Okay. Two half-assed observations to ruin a, a good story. Um, my friend Bruno Escalante, um, sparred Chocolatito for, I can't remember, maybe it was the, uh, Gal Yafi fight or Cal Yafai, one of the Yafai brothers. I forget which variation. And he came home with this, this tennis ball contraption that he still has at his gym where it's just these strings with tennis balls. And it was what Chocolatito did to shadow box with. And it was like this piece of pride that he got to come home with the shadow box contraption, which I'm sure he probably seen something like it. And then for you being around it, it reminds me of a skateboarder named Terry Kennedy, which who's had a sad recent within nine months, he basically became a pro skateboarder essentially because he was around all the famous skateboarders. And it feels like your progress you're training around a hall of fame boxer. So most people don't normalize greatness. You normalize the greatness of the sport being around a hall of fame boxer. Whereas people were just trying to figure out what do I do? You learned how to train basically with the best.
1: Yes, I, I agree with that.
2: And that's like the sign of a calling that you just kind of stumble into a, an all timer.
1: Well, that's my thing. I, I I say, I can't make this up. I can't plan for this. Like the thing is that, I'd sit back and i say, okay, without forcing it or anything to happen. So it's just another sign and like, you know, sign from God for me to say, hey, you're on the right path. I don't know where, but it's the right, it's the right path. So that's all I'm taking and I'm running with it.
0: Tell us about mega, you know, trainer, fiance, wears a lot of hats, set up oh. the interview too. Like the interview wouldn't happen if he didn't set it up just came out of nowhere. People are asking me for tickets, all types of stuff. He threw it in there. I'm losing my mind. So um, just kind of explain that one.
1: So yeah, I mean, he wears many hats um, and he is pretty damn good at it too. Um, He is um, a pro fighter himself. He hasn't been as active as he's wanted to be um, because he's really dedicated his life and his efforts to me and getting my career up and going. Um, We met, as I mentioned in San Fernando, 818 boxing. Um, he was coaching there at the time, also fighting. Um, but he, I mean, he's always had so much love for the sport. I believe he was 14 when he started, um, but didn't become a pro until I want to say 25, I believe. I should know this. Um, but he's been in boxing and Muay Thai. He started off as a Muay Thai fighter, actually. That's a fun fact. Um, had I think 10 fights. And then um, yeah, we met there, we trained and ever since we've been inseparable um he as you mentioned he is um training me and he manages me um and he cooks for me and he loves me with his whole heart and does everything so he is very special and um yeah he's a kick-ass person as well if you know him you know he is he's he's a ball of energy lots of you know great sense of humor uh but also he knows his stuff and he is such a dedicated family person and man and uh, I'm grateful to have him by my side.
0: That's great. Uh, what do you want from the sport of boxing?
1: Hmm. I've already gotten so much. Um, I honestly, to me, the biggest thing that I've gotten and I I think that's what I really want from it as I continue on this journey is the relationships that I've made um, with people, crossing paths with people I would have never crossed paths from and learned from. Um, I think for me, it's that's pretty key I want to keep learning I want to keep discovering myself and seeing how how much how much I can attain and what my potential is um really obviously I want that you know world championship world champion title at some point you know whenever it's my time and God wills it but um for me it's all about the journey and the people that are on this with me and uh you know I just I want I want the best for everyone around me as well so um if we can all win that's the goal
0: how long do you see a pro career lasting
1: um we've spoken about this and i think um we're gonna give my we're gonna give ourselves five years
0: okay i was one off normally really successful people work in four-year cycles college Mm -hmm. and olympic runs i thought it was going to be four you said five
1: yeah i said five yeah
0: Okay, that's that's interesting. I got one more. How fast do you want to move in your career? Are we talking title shot in four fights, six fights, twenty five fights, a million fights? How fast?
1: For me, I want I want activity. If I can fight every other month, every two months, I, that's what I want. I want to change the the rounds. That's been my our model in the amateurs, and that's kind of like the same mentality in the for the pros. As long as, as I'm healthy, right? Uh, physically healthy and everything, and we can get the right fights that make sense. Um, obviously, I'll have my team to make those decisions. Um, that's what I'm focused on. So, whenever they think it's time and, and, and I have the opportunity for that world title shot, then it will be then. Um, I'm not really focused on a number. I'm not going to sit here and say by five, I want to be. No, if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. Um, it's, uh, and uh, yeah.
0: The chat's loving your setup, the background. Oh, uh, they're loving the belt setup. So I just wanted to give you props on that. Um, any, do you see yourself signing with a major promoter or do you see you just, just having to take the opportunities as they come?
1: Um, both. Right now, I mean, right now I'm in a position where we are we will be receiving an offer. So, um, you know, not going to – it has to make sense. And so um, – yeah, I mean, we're going to look at the offer. I, I think it's going to be a great one. So I, I can see it happening. But um, again, you know, you has to make sense and it has to be right for me. So,
0: well, you're very marketable. You're able to speak. You're actually a great public speaker. And the big problem is some boxers are marketable, some boxers are terrible public speakers. So, I mean, it's a no brainer. You just got to knock out. You can stand in front of a podium and put sentences together in compelling ways. And you're in a division that kind of needs some interesting characters like we got gabriel fandora she's emerging similar area we've got marlon esparza but like we're really looking for new female voices female stars and it really seems like a no-brainer that someone would pick you up because it's such an interesting story
1: oh thank you so much i'm flattered thank you
0: well, I'm just a guy on YouTube talking. Every now and then <laughs> I write, so don't be <laughs> that flattered. Like, you know, temper the expectation there. But um, love it. Yeah, I mean, we gotta we gotta set realistic standards here. It's not like you're getting. Yeah, it's not like the Wall Street Journal told you that. But um, I mean, what, when would she move to England? Why? I mean, bro, I love you in the chat, but like, where did do, where does that one come from? <laughs> Like, I mean I mean it's just a weird one. Like like I get it, England there's a lot of money and stuff, but it's like let me ask you, no disrespect to my guy Man K crazy, big supporter. We love you. Please keep tuning in and be sure it's the thumbs up button. But would I guess you like England's lovely? Would you move to would you move to England?
1: Um again, I, I would be open to it if it made sense, you know. Um there one of go. our dreams one of our dreams, Meg and I dreams, is to be able to travel the world and fight. So um, if that's where it takes us, we're going to London, we're going to England, we're going wherever.
0: <laughs> okay. we So we have a good community. They have at least one women's fight per card is what I mean. So he was basically saying, when you look at – I'm going to interpret for him. I'm going to translate for him because I think I know it's what like my – It's like Michaela, right? Exactly. Caroline Dubois is getting big opportunities. Lauren Price is getting big. Every time you see uh, – women's boxers or women's prospects because of Katie Taylor, if we're being honest, Katie changed the game where people are watching in Europe and they're like, we need to respect the women's fighters. And if we're being honest, we haven't quite had the Katie Taylor figure in the US boxing scene that's that's changed the view of the sport. I guess that that was terrible because that just left everyone saying nothing.
1: No, 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 you said it all. That's why we didn't have to say anything. Yeah.
0: Interview 101. It's like ask a question. The interviewee just sits there. I think that
2: it makes sense to some extent because, like, Michaela, I don't think ever really got her flowers here in the States and then started taking these opportunities in the UK. And I think they kind of have adopted her and she could main event a card there anytime she wants at this point. So I think there is something to, like, you know, as a female, you can kind of jump the line out there a little bit.
0: And we're strategic, right? Like, you look at, you look at where Brooke fights. There's people like Yoko Valle. There's fighters like Sinise Estrada. There's a lot of really interesting fighters that are dangling around her weight class. And that the one of these fighters could be that fighter. All what it's going to, I'm going to tell you what it's going to take for wins boss to catch on. It's going to take an attractive girl that knocks people out. It's going to be the Ronda Rousey effect. So when you get, someone that people are attracted to or they they think it's a model and they're knocking people out that's going to be the ESPN sports center we need to see this this is weird but that's the formula
1: yeah well, do you, do you like that one it. i'm here for that <laughs> are you
0: the one that's going to that's going to take that role
1: god wills it that's me yeah.
0: Okay. Mr. Dakota, I'm out of my questions. I know it's a work day for you, Brooke. Dakota, do you have any other questions? How does that, how do you manage
2: two jobs like that? Are you still doing your, your advertising?
1: I am. I'm full time. Um, I have an amazing, amazing team that supports my dream. Um, a hundred percent, but, um, so the great thing about it is that we are a global company, right? And so our clients are East Coast, um, all of Europe, everywhere. So I actually work throughout the day. You know, I'll wake up uh, 4 a.m. I'll handle from 4 to 6. I usually do my morning my morning kind of emails and, and, and assignments that I have to do. That way the East Coast get it right when they're, you know, um, logging on. I do my runs, come back again get in there and then by two uh i do my training and then afterwards i'll come back and do what i need to do so it's you know it's it's manageable it's it's all about time management and and prioritizing things and but i have a amazing team that that helps with with me uh with that uh, for me so yeah. where
2: where in new york did you start doing fitness boxing
1: um, I did rumble rumble boxing and then I did shadow I, I want I believe it is called shadow boxing there's another another studio um but it was Rumble where I started
2: does that is does Edgar Santana still work there do you remember
1: um I don't know it's yeah I,
2: never mind I, fa- I figured I would ask though where where okay. exactly was <laughs> he's a New
0: here. Yorker so please forgive him New Yorkers oh, awesome. can not bring up New York
1: No, I love New York New York and New Jersey have a very special place in my heart because that's where I went to college and then obviously, like, started my, you know, my young adult life out there. So I I can't wait to fight in New York one day. Um, all, all my family, my best friends are out there. And so, um, yeah. March
0: 16th, you know, there is a fight card out there. So maybe God willing, you know, one of these days you can yeah. get it MSG, you know.
1: Oh, that would be a dream. That'd be dope. Can't wait to see
0: it. Do you got any merch for sale or something? Can we can we sell something of yours uh, while before we get you off? Do you have anything that you're promoting?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have um, my fight shirts for this last fight. Um, I had they're black and they say big stamp in the front, Mighty Brook, Coachella Valley, California, and then Team Cibrian on the back. Um, I have we have quite a few of those. Um, The original, the first, the fight, the shirts from the first fight. We have just a few, but um not very many sizes so right now it's just that my latest fight shirt um available
0: okay well i think we've we've run the gamut of our questions and stuff and taken up your day now we're gonna do what we we're supposed to do on sunday which is hate on boxers for about an hour roughly so we're just gonna oh, we never the boxers.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, boxers so we appreciate your time now we're gonna get back to our regularly scheduled program of hating on people so um <laughs> Oh, and shout out, give us the social media and all that.
1: Yes, please. Uh, Instagram, uh, Brooke Cibrian. And if you follow me, you have to follow Mega at Mega Soto.
0: And shout out Mega for setting this up because because Mega reached out to me. I actually watched your fight intently because there was a chance I was going to make myself a pizza in the oven because that could have been the swing bout where I don't have to do coverage and just go, okay. I'm just going to see what the result is and I'm going to make food. Didn't do it because he reached out and I'm like, I'm going to watch this fight because we're going to interview you. So, so
2: the pizza came after.
0: The pizza came, I, I, I can't even tell you what fight the pizza came at because I didn't watch the fight. Like If oh. I'm looking at the results, I could tell you. I think it, I don't want to say the name of the fighter because then they'll get all mad and try to fight me and then it's awkward because then I have to cry and stuff. But um, yeah, so that's a fun story. So shout out to Mega for that.
1: Oh, I'll let him know. Thank you so, so much for answering and, and, and being willing, you know, to do this and, and scheduling me in your busy day as well. So thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, we wish you the best. We hope you get what you're looking for in boxing and um, yeah, I just hope you find what you're looking for. We got Angelo Leo questions coming in so that doesn't pertain to you. Um, yeah. Just thank you for being a wonderful guest and anytime just reach out or anything and, we're typically here.
1: Perfect. Yep. Well, I mean, Mega will do his job and letting you know the next one. And, and then, um, yeah, let us know if you need anything. We're, we're here. We're here to help as well.
0: Right on. Okay. Well, yeah. you don't have to stay on me and Dakota are just going to talk about Jaime Mungia and just hate on Connor Ben. So we <laughs> wish you the best and, um, yeah, have a great rest of your week.
1: You too. Bye.
0: Take it easy, bro. Okay. What a wonderful guest. Um, now let's get into your uh, hating on Kenshiro because we missed it. So let's let's just start with it, okay?
2: Bro, I hate when you come in hot like that, bro. Because you know I'm not a hater, bro. I just, I just
0: like to manipulate the audience or make people just be like, you're actually the hater, and you try to throw Dakota under the bus when you're hating. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my
2: my Kenshiro take is that he is good fun, dude. He's a lot of fun. He's really exciting. He's very explosive offensively. He throws beautiful combinations, but he just gets hit too fucking clean for me. to. And I'm coming from it from the perspective of I hadn't seen him before, and I've been hearing that he's a pound-for-pound type of guy. I don't think that there's anybody in my, because I do a top 15, I don't think there's anybody in that top 15 that would lose their spot to him. And that's not a disrespect to him as a fighter. I just don't see a pound-for-pound guy. And I see um, a really exciting guy who just gets hit too clean. And if he fights, you know, a Bam Rodriguez of his generation, I just don't think he's going to be able to cut it.
0: Oh, I was muted. Our guy, man, K-Crazy, we love him. He said Kenshiro had COVID when he lost and he got knocked out, which I think that also like people are going to forget COVID was a thing, even though it's a thing because guys were getting COVID and then looking really bad. And people at the time remembered that. But now I think in history, people are going to be like, not remembering that. Also uh, he remembered that I'm a bully. So he stopped (laughs) saying that because he remembered I'm a bully. Angelo Leo fights tonight on pro box. Be sure to watch it. Everybody and Leo's great grandfather is from China and moved to Mexico in 1920. Fascinating story right there. Um, For me, Ken Shiro, bought loads of fun, right? Loads of fun. I think Mayake Crazy in the chat or someone in our great community said it to me best. Reminds me of Emmanuel Navarrete, right? Like he's very much in the school of Navarrete. You kind of expect him to lose. You kind of have fun watching him, and he's kind of overperforming your expectations when you know how he fights. Um, but i get, i think that it's also a case of if you're a 108 pounder and you know the guy's name he's really frigging good because typically we don't even know these champions
2: that's true but i think that b- between the number of stars we've had at 112 and 15 uh, that have been compelling to fight fans i don't think you could say that this is a little guy problem i just don't think 108 is a a talent filled division you know that we have these weight classes that are the hot spots for a minute because there's a superstar and then people you know try to get in, in on the the multi-millionaire sweepstakes you know what i mean at 112 115 we've had chocolatito estrada um carlos quadras this whole generation of guys who have created excel uh, uh, exciting fights i just don't think 108 has had that many of those guys in recent years but um i think Ken kenshiro is a guy who because of that, may be a champion for a long time. And I think Connizalez was not getting his just due either because he fought a hell of a fight and probably won that fight. And and as close as
0: it was, it just felt like let uh, me speak to something Dakota, because you brought something up and I want to speak on this. At these 108, 105, 112 pound divisions, it is so hard to be predictive because some of these guys have really bad resumes or unassuming resumes, but can really fight. And the opposition is so thin there could be a really good fighter with really weak opposition and he goes in and smokes a guy. It's hard to look at competition and understand the type of fighter that is there. Like that's like why when Oscar Col- Colazzo, um fought this past weekend and had good that performance. Too, I like I mean, it. He's a dude, right? He's a guy. He's a, a standout fighter. That being said, possibly the other guy could have given him a hard fight. You never know. You don't know what a nine in one fighter is at one hundred and five pounds.
2: Because- yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing, too, when we talk about great little fighters and again, this is me coming and just seeing him for the first time. Um,
1: there's
2: a there's a level of physical dominance that somebody like Chocolatito had where he just overwhelmed you physically and it doesn't look like Kenshiro over what is an overwhelming fighter if that makes any sense.
0: No, I get what you're saying. There's like a – I feel like he's like a fan favorite. Like he's like a hardcore – he's closer to a Jorge Linares than he is a Chocolatito, if you get what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, and I, I, I think the the vulnerability, you know, maybe he's even like a Juan Manuel Lopez. Or like he's the, there's going to be a, a, a cultural following behind him because of the excitement, but it's just not elite-level talent.
0: And that's not. I, there's nothing wrong with that.
2: Not at all. Not at all. And I, I, anytime he's on and I'm available to watch it, I'll watch it because I think he's great.
0: Yeah, he's fun, bro. Aren't you glad that I told you to watch him? I am,
2: and, and I've been hearing about him for a little bit now. Jack has, you know, told me about uh, Jack Kelly from ITRO Boxing. You know, he's been telling me what a talented guy this is, and uh, I, I'm definitely glad I watched it. I just, I, I think about him in the ring with Bam Rodriguez, and I don't, I don't see that lasting.
0: Yeah, it would be a problem, bro. I
2: think I think about him and with Sonny Edwards. I don't think he could play that kind of chess. You know what I mean?
0: Okay, let's go to the next one. Jaime Mungia versus John Ryder. We kind of called this one. We're not trying to victory lap on anybody, but you just kind of – like I get Ryder does a little bit more than people give him credit for, but at the elite level, he ha- there's a level of just taking punishment that he does to get off what he wants to do. And I guess guy that hits as hard as Jaime Mungia. Um, that doesn't work. I also think that people thought Mungia was gonna be small because he started at 154 when I think Ryder's the smaller guy in comparison now because he's really a middleweight moved up. Although my observation was Mungia's taller, ryder has a thicker he's
2: back. got some fucking legs on him, too.
0: Oh, he's got some calves, it's not yeah. even like hoofs, yeah. But his width of his back is pretty thick, too. But I mean, to me, this was just target practice. And I think that this was also, we saw Ryder had had a lot of really hard fights, and I think they caught up to him.
2: Well, and I honestly, too, the thing that I was the most impressed with was Mungia's hand speed. I thought that was kind of the difference maker, where I don't know if there was any one individual shot. Cause like, you know, I did a, a podcast with Vibes Van Sicklin the other day, and he did, he's done a, a lot of sparring with Mungia in the lead up to this fight, and he sparred with Benavidez and Pacheco and all these other guys, and he was just like, you know, Mungia doesn't hit like those guys. But I think what he's got is he's got activity and he has hand speed. So if he fights a guy like Ryder who kind of has to be planted, you know, if he can keep his hands moving, it's it's going to be hard for Ryder to get himself in position. I just thought Mungia fought a beautiful fight.
0: Yeah, and I think it also he started about as good as you could start because that – I think by the fourth round, Ryder kind of felt he was out of the fight.
2: Yeah, and Ryder's been in a lot of hard fights. He's kind of fought a who's who of his era, and you have to give a guy like that credit. And Munguia was able to beat him, I would say, in a more dominant way than anybody else had been able to at this point. And I think that might have been the reasoning behind this fight, right? Let's put him in with a legit contender who's been in with all the guys of his era, and let's compare those performances. If you're playing that game, I think he's got the best one.
0: Bro, let's be real. Are we going to be real?
2: We're always real, bro. We're always real, and we're never haters. Let's just make that very, very
0: make it clear. <laughs> this fight was set up as an A to B comparison to Canelo to Munguia, potentially for the Mexican fans. I think mm-hmm. this was set up to be, this is the future of Mexican boxing. Canelo is on the decline. And he had a performance where this performance, A to B, it's a better performance. Now there's context to it, but I think it was set up to be a comparison to Canelo.
2: Totally, the comparison. But and even beyond that, it's a comparison to Canelo. It's a comparison to Callum Smith. It's a comparison to Danny Jacobs. He's able to say, "Look at all these great fighters that got in with this guy and had, you know, not such an easy night." And now look what I did to him. And it, and it separates him.
0: And and do you think this one performance takes away the Dennis Hogan fight that's lingered in his career?
2: I just think that guys lose. He was the political beneficiary at that time and didn't take uh, the loss, but guys lose and learn from it. And I think that he's probably got two or three losses on his record, but I still think that he's a tremendous fighter that's getting better.
0: Yeah, I think that like people want to hate Mungia because of the political. Like, we're,
2: If we're being real. He's probably like 40 and three, right? Bipolar Boxing. Hey, picks. we
0: got Bipolar Boxing picks. Hey man, just found your page a few days ago. Love the content. Hey, thank you so much Bipolar. Appreciate we love it, that. Man. Thank you for coming through, stopping by. And if you when the show's over, go back and check out our Brooke interview. I think what do you think? Do you think that was a sleeper? That was one of those that you should definitely. I think that's a, a possible world champion on that we might have caught real early on. We might have caught her real early on
2: right and it's also i mean a lot of times we think about fighters that work full-time jobs a lot of times it's like labor jobs and not jobs uh necessarily where you know it's a a white collar like attention to detail kind of job so i think that that's a particularly interesting story
0: yeah that's normally the guy at the meat market you know or like i'm a construction worker leaving my local 22 it's not Mm -hmm. yeah i'm selling ad revenue with a team of
2: yeah, I'm doing targeted advertising for a major journalistic publication.
0: Yeah, so I mean, that's I think that alone is cool. Uh, Munguia versus Canelo, um, is that interesting to you now?
2: Totally. It, it's it's kind of always been interesting to me just because I think Munguia is great, and I n- have no never understood the trajectory that he's been on. I think it sells great not that I particularly give a shit about that, but when I'm thinking about fights that I want to see that could actually happen, I think this is one of them. Um, so yeah, I think this is a, this is a great matchup. And I think that if all these guys are the businessmen that they say they are, you know, this in a business sense kind of makes the most sense. I don't know how Jamal Charlo for Canelo would make anywhere near the kind of sense that Jaime Munguia would.
0: Okay. Um, you want you told me you wanted to touch on the Fandora, gabriella Fandora, christina cruz uh stoppage let's touch on that real briefly
2: yeah you know i i had seen and in the telecast it felt like you know sergio and the guys were surprised by that stoppage or disagreed with the stoppage um i i, I have a hard time protesting a stoppage where a fighter had you know kind of turns their back completely for that length of time and i got that You know maybe she was just a little buzzed and um either uh just didn't kind of lost track of where Fandora was or froze for a second whatever the reason would be but if you're turning your back like that to me that looks like i'm no longer fighting
0: to me it just looked like inexperience it's like you hadn't been in the pro like she's 41 she's done amber boxing for 20 years but she's got like what seven I've gotten
2: a lot of fucking skills too.
0: A lot of skills, a lot of amateur fights, but what people forget is there is a learning curve from amateur to pro. It's not an A to B thing. And to me, this looked like something that maybe this was a habit from sparring or maybe something from the amateurs where the referee would step in and break and then call the action and bring you back. But in the pros, that posture is going to get you in trouble. And to me, it just felt as though that was the inexperience of the pro game where that situation came about and the posture and body language. Even, at
2: the, even at the highest level of amateur boxing, wouldn't that be so? I mean, I think
0: that that would be a stoppage, that body posture, just because, I mean, look, I'm a fan of Christina Cruz, but I just think that if your back is to your opponent and you're completely covered up and you're not doing any offensive maneuver back, as a referee who's in there to help the fighter and make sure that they're safe, everything about the way you're conducting your body says you're just trying to protect yourself. You're not thinking about being offensive. And I feel like that's when the referee needs to step in when you're no longer thinking offense. You're strictly taking, you're doing defense.
2: Yeah. And I think this now, the only counter argument that I've like considered is that maybe a warning, maybe say, hey, don't turn your back. But I think in that moment where you've clearly buzzed your opponent, uh, it's a little tough to make that that warning because you can't go up to a fighter that's almost knocked out and say, hey, don't turn your back, you know.
0: Yeah, that's like trying to give coaching advice to the guy that got a concussion. Yeah, you know, Um, bipolar boxing picks. Do you think that the fight would have been stopped if Fendora didn't keep hitting her?
2: I probably, I think, I don't think it would have, but I don't see any reason why Fundora wouldn't would have stopped letting her hands go. She had a hurt fighter in front of her. She was looking to get a stoppage herself, and she was behind as well. I
0: would say. I mean, Um, she was ahead on all three of the cards, the official cards. That doesn't
2: make any fucking sense. Uh, You know, she she lost the first five rounds, so I don't really know how
0: that's possible. But but I'm saying, like, I get that people say that but like in terms of the I, if action, I'm
2: working Fondora's corner I'm telling her you're behind cuz you you know what I mean
0: and I think that's a good mindset to have it was a very close fight
2: yeah so she she was she probably felt like she was behind or it was close was trying to go in for the kill and she did her job
0: G funky says good afternoon gentlemen good afternoon G funky anything else from uh, the golden boy card that you want to get off your chest
2: I think those were the two that really mattered on that night, at least for me.
0: Uh, tonight, we got Angelo Leo returning on Pro Box. It's a really good card on Pro Box. Be sure to check it out. We got my sleeper Rookie, pick.
2: Rookie. Who's the opponent?
0: Uh, Mike Polena. Magic Mike Polaina. That's a great fight. And then listen to this undercard. This is my sleeper that you guys should watch. Christopher Pearson versus Trevor McCombie. That's a banger. And Romero Duno versus Antonio Moran. That's another hitter. Those are some action-packed fights so uh just to be aware of that
2: that's actually a really great card and i've been saying this but um for of all of the platforms in boxing ProBox is the least hassle to consume and is probably the easiest and like most functional and most accessible
0: and also thinks about the fans if you want to go a step further i know people could say i'm a shield for ProBox, which i kind of am but i'm not
2: i'm literally just saying it as a fan
0: i mean i think that they're the ProBox is consistently looking at what the fans want and trying to deliver um really interesting and pleasing fights that get you excited at the best value you know for the consumer it's a uh, and there's yeah.
2: been multiple fighters that i've as a fan and and the, somebody doing coverage have caught on pro box whether it's Richard Van Sicklin or it's Axel Melendez. These are very compelling fighters that I think will wind up doing, you know, real things in their career.
0: Let's shift over to MVP, most valuable promotions. Um, Should we start with a friend of our program getting a big fight, or should we talk about another guy that I think is a future world champion who is going to be headlining the card, Ashton Silva. Let's start with Ashton. Ashton is – fighting on his own this Friday. Fantastic fighter, extremely talented. Ashton still has, um, superstar potential and he's with Jake Paul. So he's going to get a lot of attention. I just hope he fights a little bit more, but he's, he's very exciting. I'm excited about the potential of where he can go. An undercard fight to keep your eye on is Mari Cornejo. Maricela Cornejo will be featured on the undercard. She was once with golden boy. It would be great if, if, um, MVP picked her up because I think she's someone that's made a connection with the fight fans. So those are the two standout fighters from this fight card. I can't tell you much about the opposition, but I think those two people are just interesting figures in the sport of boxing. Do you have any opinions on that fight card?
2: Uh, Not particularly other than I've heard very good things about Ashton Silva, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing him for the first time. I haven't gotten to watch him yet.
0: I think he was ESPN's prospect of the year in
2: 2022. No
0: shit. Which I think might've been also like who, like one of those where they're like, who do we give it to? We're not sure.
2: It's all, that's also a uh, kudos to them because top rank has so many prospects themselves. There would be, there's a giant pool of guys to choose from in
0: there. Feel like Top Rank has so many people that they almost get punished because they have so many talented fighters. People are like, "Oh yeah, but that's Top Rank, you know." Richard Torres, who has he fought? But he's like this Olympic medalist, Joliot. Like so, I. um, That was good to Jake Paul fighting my guy, Rhino uh, Ryan Borland. Huge opportunity, and Dakota, you've been critical of Jake Paul, but you have to think that this is pretty cool that he's fighting, albeit my guy Rhino is a light heavyweight. He's smaller than Jake Paul, but this is a guy that fought on the club circuit, well-respected pro. Yes, he's had a five-year layoff. He, he's worked in the oil fields, but he stayed around the boxing gyms, and now Jake's getting him a big opportunity on a big platform and paying him well. I mean, this is a pretty likable move in my opinion, from Jake Paul, because he's not just taking like a, a credible opponent. He's also given a guy that should have gotten a little more from boxing a real opportunity.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely more compelling to me as a fight fan to see him in with a guy who has as much experience as, as Ryan does um, than somebody like Nate Robinson or somebody like, you know, the guy who plays video games, you know, um, so it's definitely more exciting with that than that and i think it is showing on some level his effort to become a credible fighter i think he is a credible
0: fighter bro i think he is i think he's gonna be a world champion because vacant belts exist and i think no matter how this fight turns out he's going to continue to take on guys Well,
2: I don't. I I think calling him a credible fighter is a bit of a jump the gun, right? Like, you know, terrible
0: division, bro. Like cruiserweights bad. So there's like ten good cruiserweights, and then there's a lot of blown up light heavyweights.
2: Right. the 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 only thing is that he he has kind of yet to fight somebody his size, which is the last kind of thing that I check off the list as a fight fan that I want to see. Like even if I'm watching heavyweight prospects, if they're if they're dominating everybody. But they're only fighting guys that are way smaller than them. The way Jared Anderson did for so many fights, I can't really say that. Oh, at this weight class, you're. you But
0: know, that's well, a boxing problem. That's not just. A I'm Jake a boxing problem. guy, brother. No, but I'm just saying that's not just a Jake Paul problem. That's a boxing problem.
2: Right, but but I'm but if Jake Paul is going to be a boxer, I'm going to treat him like a boxer. You know, and what I mean?
0: respect that. But I'm just saying, like, it's he's now falling into boxing problems rather than influencer. You know, let me do this. Let me eat a hot chip and then make funny faces for seven hours. Uh, G Funky, I think the fight was stopped because of the way it was going in the second half, had a lot to do with the stoppage. Bipolar boxing picks is saying Jake is great for the sport. Any other final thoughts on this Brian versus Jake Paul fight?
2: Uh, is, is this going to be on a man, the Serrano?
0: Call? Like, is that main or- event? Uh, Jake's do- gonna Who's be. Sarah Murford, I think. Don't know her. I don't know her, bro. She could be really good, but it's not anyone that I really know.
2: Well, and you got to give it to Amanda. She's like, she's kind of like Sergio Martinez, where it's like, even if she fights somebody whose name I don't recognize, she's not taking any cupcakes, bro. She rarely takes like a soft fight.
0: No, like that's it. You've kind of hit it on the head with the Sergio Martinez comparison because she never is going to be like, oh, let me just get this tune-up out the way. Like she's going to take credible opponents, and oftentimes they're people who are too talented and too unknown that she actually gets pushed back because, like Erica Cruz, we found out she's pretty freaking right. tough. But right. at the time, it was like, oh, here's this unassuming opponent, you know?
2: Right, the Brazilian woman she fought last time was very, very gutsy. You know, it's like when Sergio fought Darren Barker, I had no idea who the fuck Darren Barker is. As it turns out, he became a world champion and is now like a top level commentator in the UK. So it's like just because somebody isn't a big name in that moment doesn't mean they're not a tough fight. And I think Amanda's always done a good job of taking compelling fights, even if they're not big name fights.
0: Okay, now we're going to get to get Dakota. How do you really feel, bro? Connor Ben is back this week. He's fighting Pete Dobson. Pete's a New York guy. Everything about this fight is weird, bro. Let's have you break it down first.
2: While well, you let off good, everything about this fight is weird. Everything about his career is a little bit weird. Everything about him kind of, like just the way he acts when he's on camera, the circumstances around him being – uh the son of a massive star in england but not being able to fight in the uk because he has failed drug tests um everything about him as a fighter and the way his career is going is like pretty strange and not that interesting to me as a purist following because it feels like he relies on spectacle and can get away with things that other fighters can't. We talk about people to get a million chances. It's like.
0: You hit it on the head there, and I think he comes off very unlikable. Like, I watched his his face off with Pete, and it's like he's kind of making fun of Pete for having, like, a New York accent and being, like, a poor guy, kind of. Like, he's got a very working-class attitude, and he's kind of, like, belittling him. And then he, like, arrogantly was like, yeah, I'm a rich, pretty boy. I am. And it's like, I... I get it, but it's like when you failed a PED test and you're saying things like this, it's just, you come off as so unlikable. And the thing with Conor Ben that bugs me is the lack of remorse towards any fighters that missed out on a paycheck from that Chris Eubank fight. The fact that he's kind of acted as a victim the whole time and never been like, you know what? There could have been, I could have eaten eggs or I could have done something. And there could be a the eggs
2: fight. thing the eggs thing is the goofiest shit I've ever heard in but, my life. What
0: I'm saying is like I've never heard him say, Okay, I have an excuse, but there is a part of me where I could have gone a different way and taken this out of the equation. It's always I'm a victim, the world's against me, and cheating and boxing is bad. Fuck, and the, haters.
2: Fuck the haters is a really easy broad of, word.
0: of criticism. It's, it's, it's like there's constructive cop-out. criticism.
2: Yeah, it's a real broad cop-out. You know what I mean? If you're Alicia Baumgartner and you fail a drug test, all you got to do is do hot girl shit for three months with, like, fuck the haters quotes on the bottom. And people are like, "Yas, bitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, it's fucking – it's silly how uh, the, the, the superstars of the sport are able to shrug this off. And it, it is because our testing infrastructure is not –
0: Good. it's a joke, right? And then, yeah. like, let's be honest, Connor Ben was supposed to be the next matchroom superstar, he was supposed to be the next guy to take over when Joshua and Katie Taylor left. And now he has to fight in America, which there really isn't a huge base for Connor Ben. I like, don't know,
2: and people here don't know who his dad is.
0: And you know, he, what I mean? and here, I don't think, fine, are like all that fond of a guy who's coming off as an arrogant guy talking crap to a New Yorker who seems like a blue collar New Yorker. Like that's just not a way to endear yourself to the American public.
2: No, no. And, and maybe that's, but maybe that's what he's going for. Maybe he feels like the best direction for him to take is just be the ultimate heel. People are going to pay to watch him get knocked out. Maybe he will get knocked out at some point, but regardless, if he's just a prick, he's always going to get fights. Maybe.
0: Um, I know a
2: little bit about people. Right? If, if, if you're if you're if you're a fucking asshole like that, you can just keep getting fights. If
0: you, you know oh, I mean, I mean, we've seen it. The the like, look, Arnold Barbosa can't can't get a fight that we are super interested in, and he's the nicest guy. But then Broner can screw up all the time, and he gets a fight.
2: Yeah, I mean, Ricardo Mayorga w- said the most insane shit possible, and it didn't matter if he got knocked out and got chumped in his last fight when he's like, no, I'm going to fuck your wife. Like some people are going to pay for that for whatever reason. So
0: Connor Ben's appeal is going to be heard two weeks after the fight. Uh, Thank you. Women's boxing channel. Ben's last opponent tested positive for PEDs. That is true. I think it was Rudolfo Orozco or something like that. I forget the name of the opponent. Ben looked horrible in that fight. I think more people in Vegas know Johnny Fisher's dad than Connor Ben. But to be fair, Johnny Fisher's dad is awesome. He's on social media just selling tickets to people, like going live if you buy tickets from him. Um, he's just a, a great follow. But I mean, Pete Dobson, I think that everyone's going to have a little, like, you kind of want to see a guy that came up from the club scene a little bit older. Some people really believe he's a top-tier prospect, but because of his age, he's not gonna get the same opportunities, but this is a big chance for him.
2: I'll be honest though, if if I'm him or anybody that gets offered a fight with Connor Ben, I have to really think about like, is anyone gonna care that I'm there or is it all gonna be about him and what a schmuck he is? You know?
0: I mean, do you is anyone writing stories about Pete this week? Have you seen no, one?
2: I haven't, and I think a lot of that is be, is because the, the, the storyline of this fight is only going to be about Ben. And what's funny about that is none of it's going to actually talk about anything real. You know what I mean? Well, the-
0: it's about a weird test that we've never gotten to the bottom of. And the test is going to get to the bottom in two weeks. And I don't expect people to ask Ben questions at any media event about the most interesting thing, which is the drug test. My guy Tris Dixon did a great interview with him on about that, and I found it interesting. I think Ben probably wants to talk about this at this point because it's like it's such a lingering cloud over his head. Wouldn't you expect that he'd want to address this stuff?
2: That That's how I deal with shit in, in my life, right? Like if there's a problem, I like to address it but it doesn't feel like that's the common practice in boxing. I use Alicia as an example, unfortunately, because she's been so um, present on social media in this vague kind of I do hot girl shit way that really has nothing to do with boxing or the fact that you failed a drug test for a drug that doesn't just kind of pop up, you know?
0: Yeah, it's, it's just weird. So would you level of expectation if Pete Dobson were to win, would you be shocked surprised? Like, because all boxing tells us, I haven't seen enough to Pete to make a, a astute observation, but this is somebody that was doing team combat league a little while ago. This is a guy that's been floating under the surface undefeated record. He was rumored to get a Virgil Ortiz fight. It fell through. How big of an upset would this be to you? Would this be Hector Luis Garcia Colbert?
2: It'd be a big upset because I don't know that much about him. But at the same time, I don't know what to expect from Connor Ben. So may, I, maybe it's not an upset at all. Maybe I'll just be discovering a new guy that I want to follow.
0: Well, Dobson's in the buildup saying that Ben is very small. That's like a big theme from him is Connor Ben's a lot smaller than me. Is he? Didn't seem that way at the face off. Like, he didn't seem that much shorter than him.
2: Yeah. I, I, I Yeah, I, I think that if these fighters can just go about getting their money without having to speak to the difficult topics, they will. And I think he specifically
0: will. It's a very uninteresting fight week for me because I just feel like everything that I am interested in this fight is not going to happen. So...
2: I'll tell you what I'm interested in on that card is Khalil Ko and Juan Gerardo Asuna.
0: That's a good fight. Let's get into that fight.
2: First of all, if you haven't seen it, go check out um, my episode of The Fight Life with Khalil Ko, which was shot in Newark last month. I think it's a great episode, so go check that out on the uh, ITR Boxing YouTube page. But he's taking on Juan Gerardo Asuna, who's 20-0. and 0. He's doing it in his ninth fight. I think Khalil is one of the most explosive light heavyweight prospects there is right now. And I think he's going out of his way to take opponents that 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 take people by surprise or make people want to watch the fights. They're not they're not assumed wins necessarily.
0: Well, I, this guy, like, look, this guy could be the worst fighter we've ever seen, um, or he could be um, he could be the best guy. This guy is a guy that's only fought in Mexico, and his competition is very non Yet, we just saw Rafael Espinoza, a guy that we were giggling at, fighting Robisi Ramirez, who had a very same one. Um, I agree with Manke Crazy. I think this is a very dangerous fight. I think this is a prove-it fight for Khalil. I think this is a 50-50 dangerous. How serious do you take your craft? It's easy to look past this guy, but he's going to be tough as hell.
2: I can tell you from seeing it in person – I don't think Khalil really looks past anybody. Those guys work about as hard as anybody I've been around in a boxing gym. So I know that he's taken every fight and every opportunity very seriously.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's uh I mean this is this is his step up, right? Yeah. This is his moment to kind of go into that next tier of light heavyweight, or as I suspect, quite possibly maybe super middleweight. Like I think he's I think he's at light heavyweight for the time being but if guys like Benavidez, Morell, Canelo, if all those guys start going up there and super middleweight shallowed out, I think he might be able to optimize his body at the current moment at super middle right now. Just he, in my
2: opinion. He, he intends on doing that, I think as well. I think that that's something that he would like to do.
0: But I think that he's at light heavyweight because the division's terrible.
2: And and I think he's there because he is just a big guy, naturally, right? Like, I think he kind of walks around in that, like, 200 range. But I also think that he's really dialed in his training since he went pro. And so he's learning what his body can do and, and how low it can actually get. And I think the longer he stays pro, the more he realizes that, you know, being 5'11 with his frame that 168 could actually be realistic.
0: So, how disappointed are you that Austin Williams is not fighting Connor Coyle?
2: I'm bummed out. That was a great matchup. Middleweight as a division can't really seem to catch a break. This is going to be two undefeated prospects. Connor's in the top five of the WBA, so there would have been some actual like belt implications on this fight. You know, on a personal level, I know Connor. I've commentated his fights. He's been on. He's a, he's a friend of this show and and all our shows, but. You know, I'm bummed, it, it, as it turns out, he has a, I think it's a, an elbow injury, an overuse injury, and he just couldn't make it happen. Um, and I would imagine that for somebody who's had such a hard time getting big fights between this incident and then Connor Ben actually uh, forcing the cancellation of his fight with Felix Cash, it's just been tough for him to, you know, even take advantage of the opportunities that are there.
0: And I think it's also tough because like Ammo Williams is a guy that like maybe this could be his breakout year. And now we're one more year away from maybe this is his year.
2: I don't know if we're another year, but it 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 the fight that he has now is not the kind of opponent that I think is gonna, you know, make us think, okay, this is the this is the guy. I think Connor as an opponent gave some credibility.
0: Yeah, definitely. So um I wanted to say Johnny Fisher's on the undercard. He's fun. It's fun to watch Johnny Fisher. Yeah. And George Lillard is a Tony Sims trained guy who trains Conor Benn. Fighting undefeated Andrew Buchanan. Possible upset alert. Possible upset alert. That's going to be a British tester fight. One last major card to get to, Mr. Dakota. Are you ready for this one? Always. Joshua Bozzi versus Dan Aziz. Do you even have any opinion on this fight?
2: I don't know anything about dan aziz but i have enjoyed josh buatsi the couple of times that i've seen him on the zone i know that they're fighting on a platform that i didn't know about until like four days ago and that i don't have access to so unfortunately i'm not gonna be able to watch it but i think buatsi is a very exciting light heavyweight He's a light heavyweight right
0: He's light heavyweight and he was one of my favorite coming out of team great britain in 2016. he's moved very slow but not unlike Khalil Cole, I think he's waiting for that big opportunity. And I think this is a kind of a breakout fight. He could do Dan Aziz. He could fight um, Anthony Yard if he wins this one. And two wins right there, you become a top-tier fighter, in my opinion, in the division because those are two of the best wins you can get, especially in British boxing. I don't think Beterbiev or Beterbiev is going to be in the the sport too, too much longer I think he's closer to either going for legacy fights or being done than he is taking on young challengers. And who knows, with Jay Apatia being in Saudi Arabia, Bivol might be inspired to move to cruiserweight.
2: He'd be the smallest cruiserweight of all time, bro.
0: I mean, money talks, bro.
2: Beyond money talking, to Talent talks, especially. Like like you said, cruiserweight's not that great a weight class, and I think he'll just out-talent anybody there that's not opatia but they also there are good fighters at cruiserweight that people don't like you know what i mean like myers bradis is a good fighter there's there's good cruiserweights it's just the, the,
0: the- well, one of my favorites fought this weekend chev clark i really like chev clark mm-hmm. i think he's an awesome fighter but they're like they're few and far be- between the really good cruiserweights are almost treated like lomachenko they're fu- they're move very very fast because the divisions are so thin so I think that's a good fight on the undercard just to give it off Um, because, you know, we love our British fight fans. Um, Undercard, we got Adam Azim back. We got Caroline Dubois, and we got Ben Whitaker. Any of those fighters interest you, Dakota?
2: I'm always interested in Adam Azim. I think he's very talented. I just wanted to tuck his chin in like a little bit, but I think he's great.
0: When do you think he gets his big fight? Because I think the big fight, I read a... Once again, I read a Trist Dixon piece on Pro Box TV, and it seems like the big Adam Azeem fight that they're maybe pushing for in a couple of years is against Dalton Smith. What do you think about like him in that type of fight in a few years? Adam's a 140 guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a great fight. I think Dalton, I personally think Dalton's a better fighter. Um, but I think that Adam's also kind of more explosive offensively, like naturally. So I picked Dalton's skill set, but, um, yeah, I it's think a that's fun a fight,
0: fight, bro. It's a fun fight. And I think that with Adam Azim, he's the type of guy that can get people excited about watching him fight. And those guys are always, always very exciting. Um, Ben Whitaker don't sleep on him. I think he's going to be a breakout British star. He's a really good light heavyweight. That's going to be fighting people. Him and Iman Kitaf are going to be, at the top of this division sooner than you think. And one final one friend of the show, Cordell Booker is fighting Greg Vendetti. And he was on the show probably about a couple of months ago. Now it's fight week for him. What is your expectation for a friend of the show, Cordell Booker? He's taking on Greg Vendetti and he wants to fight him basically because Vendetti fought Landy Lara in a world title fight. And he wants to show him that he's not, he shouldn't have been in that type of fight, basically. I
2: also haven't seen Booker other than the ammo Williams fight. So I don't think that's, which is
0: probably the worst fight to get a gauge on him.
2: Yeah. So I, I have no sample size on his skill set, unfortunately.
0: Okay. Well, that was, that's the analysis, our chat. I think Booker is going to win this fight. I think it's going to be a good local regional fight and it's the type of fight that moves you forward in the sport. Dakota, what do you got going this week?
2: Um, well, like I said before, if you haven't, checked out uh, my new episode of The Fight Life with Khalil Ko on the ITR, ITR Boxing YouTube page. Um, I'm working on a couple new episodes as well. Don't have a release time yet, but I do have some new projects in the works. So stay tuned.
0: Okay. Well, that's it's a shorter show than usual, and uh, we'll see you when we see you. I'm not sure what when we'll be back next, but we will be back. So hang in there. Yes, dude.